Well, it's a pleasure to have you all with us today, and I invite everybody to open your Bibles today. We're going to be good uh, reading several passages out of the book of Daniel, and while you turn to the book of Daniel, we're going to start with chapter 1. I want to just uh, also welcome those of you that are joining us online through Facebook and YouTube, and uh, we've been we've been looking at the subject of don't compromise. And uh, the past two weeks, we've I've given you the instruction on what we learned through um, the book of Exodus and Aaron, how Aaron uh, he compromised and he, you know, had the people get all the gold off their bodies and they made that calf and he said, "This is the God that brought you out of out of Egypt." And I've been I've been talking to you about the kind of leader that. Uh, Moses was, how he, he would not compromise. And uh, in Scripture, there's a man, and he's a young man. Uh, I just also want to say this, that you do not have to be aged. You don't have to be elderly to learn this. Because the men I'm going to talk to you about are all found in the book of Daniel. And at the time that we're going to read about them, they're young men. They're probably in their teens but before we do that, I want to also say that I handed out to you an outline, or just a handout. It's really not my outline today, but it's something I wanted to give you. And uh, I want to just quickly read through these scriptures. And those of you that are online, you can just write down the reference and um, put these somewhere where you can read them, where you can, maybe in your Bible, maybe on your refrigerator, a uh, little sticker on your mirror. But uh, these five scriptures um, speak about no compromise. Let's look at the first one. This, this is Jesus' own words. He said in Matthew six twenty four, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and self. You cannot serve God and just fill in the blank. So, in other words, you cannot compromise your walk with God and still stay together with God. Are you with me? Then in Romans thirteen fourteen, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you've done that, make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. So he's, he's showing us we can't do this on our own. If left on our own, we'll probably compromise. But if you'll put on the Lord Jesus, make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust, you're going to overcome. Amen. 2 Corinthians six fourteen and 15 says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Now, this does not mean you can't touch shoulders with the unbelieving, but you, can't, you cannot have real true fellowship with an unbeliever because one thing is going to happen. Either you're going to make an impact on them or they're going to make an impact on you. And that's why the Bible says do not corrupt morals or corrupt company. Bad company corrupts your morals, right? So it does matter then who you associate with and how you associate. So do not be bound together. And that's the key. The next thing is in Galatians 1, and he says, I am amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
See, that's what happened with Aaron. He said, let's, let's worship God, but here's your God. Let's worship the Lord, but here's what he looks like. And so he was, he was compromising. And then James, uh, you know, the book of James is one of the tough, it's, it's, it's the toughest book out of the New Testament for me. To, I can't read the book of James all the way through. I cannot start from James 1.1 and go all the way through it because I get stopped so many times because I'm like, okay, I got to deal with this. Okay, I got to deal with this. And James says this. I mean, he doesn't mince any words. He just said, you adulteresses. He just calls them what they were. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And he calls them adulteresses. So, I want to just say this. Always stay on God's side of everything. Pressure in this world comes from the soul. Are you hearing me? If you feel pressure, peer pressure, it comes from the soul. It comes from the uh, mind, primarily the emotions, the will, but primarily the emotions. The emotions come in and you feel pressure, pressure to, to, to be like someone else. In church, just because you're out of high school doesn't mean that doesn't work anymore. Peer pressure is huge. I mean, if you do not stand up and you do not say, listen, this is what God says and this is what I'm going to do, you'll find yourself just going, just meandering like a river and doing what the world does, thinking like the world thinks, living like the world lives. Well, I don't want to make any waves. No, be like the fish, the, you know, in the, that T-shirt that all the fish are swimming downstream and be like one going this way. Amen? So, anyway, that's just kind of a bonus. So don't compromise. Here's what I want to say. Don't compromise your faith for pressure. Now, you're going to see pressure in just a second. The book of Daniel, Daniel is going to get pressure right off the bat. So as we continue this series on no compromise, I'm preaching a message today, and I'm titling this Daniel, A Man of No Compromise. And... I want to show you this, this, this man named Daniel, and he portrays this quality of not compromising impeccably, impeccably. And if you have your Bible with you today, open that. If not, there's some there in the pew for you. But open it to the Daniel Old Testament, Daniel chapter 1, and... Um, I want you to look at verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, an enemy king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now notice at verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, or the, the, the young people of Israel, including some of the royal family, and of the nobles, youths, 
in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding, discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was, that's their Hebrew names. Now you know Daniel, but a lot of times you know uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's what they do in verse 7. Then the commander of the officials assigns new names to them. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now pay close attention to verse 8. It says, but Daniel made up his mind. Say, made up his mind. Or another translation says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank, so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now, Daniel, as I said earlier, is a young man here. He's a teenager, and he's making up his mind. He's purposing in his heart, I will not compromise, and he asks permission to eat something else. Now, look at verses 9 through 14. Now, God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. You know, the Bible says this about Jesus, that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. God will put you in favor with man. The Bible says that he granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of this commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who's appointed your food and your drink, for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths are of your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. Now notice what's going on. He's like, this is what I am asking you to do. And he's like, okay, no, wait. I'm, I can get in trouble for this. So now guess what? Pressure is hitting Daniel. But this is what he says. Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence in the appearance of the youth who are eating the king's choice food, and then you can deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to him, verse 14 says, in this matter, and he tested them for ten days. And then verse 15 says, at the end of the 10 days, their appearance actually seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So this overseer continued to withhold their choice food from the king and the wine that they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. So kids, if you're listening today, there's a good reason right there to eat your vegetables. Now, it's interesting here that the first example... I want you to catch this, of Daniel not compromising his food. Food has been a blessing and a problem ever since the Garden of Eden. Because the enemy of our soul used food 
the very first temptation. Interesting. It was a major temptation that the devil even used on Jesus after he was in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights, being tested. And the very first test after it, the Bible says that he hungered. So the devil met him right there. Turned these stones into bread. You see, the first sin of man was a violation over something to eat. Then it progressed from there, which we're going to see as we go along. Same thing happened with Jesus in the wilderness. It just progresses from something small to a greater challenge. The next temptation the devil used uh, was for Jesus to cast himself off the pinnacle of the temple so the angels would carry him and catch him. Then it progressed to the devil tempting him to just bow down and worship him. You see, church, it's always a progression. The 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 The... Temptation to compromise may start small, but it'll progress. Just doubt God on this one little thing. That's what he told Eve to do. No, no, no. God knows that when you do this, you're going to be like him. How many of the people of God, how many of us don't want to be more like God? Uh, The devil's sly. He knows how to twist words. And... And then, however, if you'll show yourself, the Bible says, faithful in the little things, what will God do? He'll make you ruler of many. And that's exactly what happens. That is exactly the outcome of what Daniel and his uh, three friends experienced because they chose not to compromise. Now, look at verses 17 through 21. You getting something out of this? And as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the day, now hold on to that because we're going to look at that in chapter 2. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they enter the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times, everybody say ten times, better than all the magicians and the conjurers who were in all of his realm. And Daniel, the Bible says, continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. We don't know exactly about, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we do know that Daniel went clear up until the days of Cyrus the king. Now, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just get promoted. And why do they get promoted? Because they stay true to God. And they stay true to his word. And I want to say to you today, in the year of 2022, if you will stay committed to God, stay committed to his word, he will promote you. Do you know right now we have a workforce that by and large do not know how to work? Can I get an amen? Customer service, they don't understand that. You understand? Here's the thing about it. If you, as a child of God, just simply excel, do your work well, you will be promoted. And I don't care. You could be 18. It's not just have to be, it, it, you know, I, I know of some old, older people that don't know how to work. 
Amen. It's not just the young. How many, how many will say, uh-huh, I get it. I'm with you. I understand. You know, I, I am thankful. I told you this before. I, was, I am thankful that I got disciplined when I was a kid, and I am thankful I was made to work. I was a lazy little guy. I needed somebody to get me going, you know. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You'd rather lay around and enjoy life instead of working. But I'm telling you what, I am thankful for my dad. I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for my grandpa. I'm thankful for my uncle. I'm thankful for all of those people that made me go beyond what I thought I could do. Do you know what? When you want to quit, there's more, there's more you can do than what you think you can do. I remember uh, I was sharing with you a couple weeks ago about uh, God's wrestlers and that there was this one wrestler. Uh, this is another story that I had read. I didn't share it, but this, this one little guy, he, he like lost about every one of his matches. But he loved to wrestle, but he just wasn't good at it. He was kind of small. He, was, he was, uh, didn't really believe in himself, and literally it came to the point where it's about time for, to go to state, and this particular person, he has to wrestle one state. Sounds a little bit like the story I shared. But the coach said to him this. He said to him, he said, I believe in you. And he said, you can take him. And the guy said, coach, look at him. And I mean, he overpowered. He was taller than him. This kid was hefty. So he was in that weight division. Okay? But this guy, he was muscular, and he was taller, and he had an afro, so he was just kind of intimidating. You know, I mean, he had all this hair, and he was just like, the kid was just like intimidated by him. His coach looked at him, and he said, no, you can take him. And other coaches were like, what in the world are you doing? He's going to get killed out there. He's like, you know what? I want him to believe in himself. I want him to know he can do whatever he sets his mind to do, and he can go beyond what he normally does. And you know what happens? The kid began to, he said, Coach, do you mean it? He said, yes, he's, he's got weaknesses. Do a head and arm move on him. Okay, Coach. Well, it starts, and the kid, within less than five seconds, does the head and arm move with him, flips him upside down, boom, pins him. In three seconds, it's over. Call the champion just lost, and the little, the little hefty kid won. Why? Because somebody believed in him. Somebody pushed him to go beyond where he thought he could go. And I'm going to tell you something. That's what compromise is all about, is you just have to have somebody push you beyond where you think. You do not have to yield to the temptations. You do not have to yield to the pressure. Amen? You do not have to yield to what the devil says. You do not have to yield to what the world is saying. Faith takes you further than what you in your own self can take you. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, Belteshazzar, they rename them and everything. And even though they're all given new names and they're, they've learned the ways of the, the Chaldeans, they were given a new belief system, they would not compromise the God of their fathers. So just because the world has lost its moral compass does not mean believers today have to lose their way. You see, our call is to always be on the increase, both spiritually and physically. God, here's what he calls you. He's like the coach on the sideline. He's like, hey, you're the head. And I feel like I'm the tail getting kicked around. Oh, no, no, you're the head. Really, Lord? Yes, you're the head, not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. Right? 
It's like the pastor that looked at the, per- the person that was in their uh, church, and they looked so down, and he was like, well, what are you doing? How are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm okay under the circumstances. And he's like, well, what are you doing under there? God made you above only, not beneath. You're not, you don't, yeah, you're going to go through stuff, but you have to be under it. So our call is to always be on the increase. And when you compromise, if you compromise your faith to doubt, or if you compromise your character, or you compromise your integrity, people notice that. The world notices that. But if you will stand up and say, this is what I believe and I'm not, I'm not backing down. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I didn't have to be there to believe it. I believed the ones who were there that wrote it down. Do you know, I've, I've read about lawyers that have studied the evidence in the Bible. And they said, we have actually won cases in and these people were in England, in the, in the English law system, we have won cases with less evidence than the Bible gives us about the resurrection of Jesus. Church, when Peter and John went into that tomb that day, do you know what they saw? They saw the grave clothes, and they hadn't been cut. It was like he evaporated out of them. They had a face cloth on him. And do you know what? When they went into the tomb, do you know how they found it? It wasn't just thrown to the side. It was neatly folded up. And that's what, when John ran into the tomb, he stopped. He stooped in and he stopped and he, and he saw that. Now, Peter, he just barrels right on in and looks. And he's like, whoa. And you know what the Bible says? From what they saw, they believed. And John said, I'm telling you this so that you will believe. And then Jesus said this when Thomas said, you know what, Lord, he told the disciples because when Jesus shows up after Mary Caesar sees him on that Sunday morning, he shows up to all the disciples who are hiding in a house with the door locked, and he just shows up. I mean, if you got a door locked, it doesn't matter. Jesus is going to be there anyway. I mean, he would prefer to, he's standing at the door and knocking. He'd prefer you to open it up, but... Right now, he just walks in, and he's like, hey, it's me, guys. Peace be unto you. Whatever it is you're going through, I want to tell you something. If you read what Jesus said to his disciples the first time that he saw, they saw him, that's what he said to them. And then he, after he said it again, he said, peace be unto you. He said it twice. You know why? Because they were afraid. We already know it because the Bible says they were. They were in there in a locked room, all afraid. And guess who wasn't there? Thomas. Now, Thomas said, you know what? I'm not going to believe it. They're like, no, he was here. Peter, he, I mean, Thomas, he was here. And they're like, no, unless, unless I can put my fingers in his hands and touch it, and my fingers in his side and feel it. Listen, Thomas wasn't even going to believe if he saw it. He said, I want to see it but I want to feel it. Jesus shows up eight days later. Thomas is there. 
Do you know where Jesus starts? Right where Thomas left off, and nobody told him about what Thomas said. And you know what Jesus said? Hey, Thomas, see here, put your hands in my hand. Put your finger in my side. It's me. And do you know what? Thomas didn't have to do it. He just said, my Lord and my God. He believed. And do you know what? I believe from that day forward, that man, Thomas, never doubted again. Because history records that he died a martyr with a spear thrown into him. No more compromise. Some Christians have a poor testimony with their employers and their co-workers simply because they compromise. They think of their work, listen to me, as secular. I don't care if you're pumping gas at a gas station, if you're working at an office, if you're a truck driver, if you're a preacher behind the pulpit, if you are working serving tables, you are working for Jesus. He's your employer. Work as unto the Lord. I remember I was tested with this when I worked at a gas station in high school. You know, there would be all kinds of beautiful, wonderful, nice cars coming through, and those were the days of the service station, not the gas station, but the service station where you literally, you took, you, you, you washed their windows, you checked their oil, you checked their tires, and, and I remember the ugly cars. You know, in Oklahoma, especially in the summertime, grasshoppers are just terrible, and their guts get all over your stuff. I mean, there are bug guts on the, 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 the windshield, on the headlights, on every windshield wipers. I mean, those things stick. You know what I'm talking about. And, they, and, they're, and they're gross and they stink. And then there was this one real pretty car, and I was wanting to make it look really nice. And I did as well as I could. I mean, I was rubbing, I got the chamois and got that thing, all that, checking the oil, checking the tire. And then there's old, beat up, ugly looking car. Person even driving it didn't care about it. And I'm like, I don't care about this. And the Lord checks me. And he said, That's my car. I was like, No, it's their car. He's like, No, it's my car. May I remind you who you're working for? I'm like, Wow. Okay. I'm sponging it. I'm shamming it. I'm making that thing look just as good as the nice Cadillac that came through. That's how God wants us to work. See, the truth is there is a higher calling resting upon every believer, and if you will seek to excel in order to glorify God, the world will take notice. Not only that, but the unbelieving world will be more interested to hear in what you have to share. How many of you believe that the guy who was over all of those young men and saw what happened to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was like, whoa, there must be something to what these guys believe in. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. listen to what it has to say about work. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He'll stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Our calling is to stand before kings. Like cream. God wants you to rise to the top. You're the head, not the tail. But to whom much is given, much is required. Amen? Because now it's fixing to get very, very 
serious. Look at chapter 2. Are you ready? I'm not. Let me get back there. Here we go. Now let's look at this. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Just follow along. And his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. And the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and all the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in, and they stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. So the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, and they said, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we'll declare the interpretation. Here's where it's going to get tricky. The king answered, and he said to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. In other words, I forgot my dream, all right? Your job is to tell me what I dreamed and then tell me the meaning of what I dreamed. And if you don't do it, I'm going to tell you from limb to limb, and I'm going to burn down your house. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. Now put yourself in their place. Well, they answered a second time and they said, well, let the king tell the dream and its interpretation or tell the dream and your servants will declare the interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know for certain you're bargaining for time and as much as you've seen that this command from me is firm. That if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation's changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. Now listen to what the Chaldeans say. Are you still with me? They answered the king and they said, There is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king, inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Now, If you were in this situation, wouldn't you agree? There's no man that can do that. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there's no one else who could declare it to the king except God's, whose dwelling place is not with mere mortal flesh. And because of this, the king became indignant and very furious. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar had him a conniption fit. I never quite knew what conniption was, but I really like the way it sounds. So he's very furious, and he gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had been included in it. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill him. And Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. So that the guy who's been assigned to kill him, Daniel goes to him. And he says... To Arioch, the king's commander, what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and he requested of the king that he'd give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. And Daniel went to his house, informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter in order that they might request compassion from God, the God of heaven, concerning this mystery so Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel knew what to do. He got his friends to pray. They began to intercede. There is power in prayer. 
We're too aggressive to touching God about anything they shall ask or believe. God will hear from heaven, and he'll respond from heaven. Now, notice what happens. The mystery was revealed, verse 19 says, to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and he said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. And it is he who changes the times and the epics. Listen to this. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To thee, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for thou hast given me wisdom and power. Do you see how important praise is now after God answers a prayer? For thou hast given me wisdom and power, even now thou hast made known to me what we requested of thee. For thou hast made known to us the king's matter. Now notice this. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went in and he spoke to him as follows. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I'll declare the interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I've seen in its interpretation? Now Daniel has an area of compromise right there. He's being tested. Daniel answered before the king, and he said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, there is neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners that are able to declare this to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made actually known to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, what is going to take place. Say this in the latter days. Do you want to know a revelation... Mine, M-I-N-E, a mine of end-time revelation is right here in the book of Daniel. Now notice this. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. It's fixing to get so good. You guys getting this? As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turned to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold. Its breast and arms were made of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Now he's telling him his dream. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone, 
that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Do you know what that stone is? It's the chief cornerstone. It's the kingdom of Jesus. Now, he's told him his dream. That's what you dreamed. Now hang on for the rest of the roller coaster ride. This was the dream. Now we shall tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. Right now on the earth, you are the man. And wherever the sons of men dwell or the beasts of the field or the birds of the sky, he's given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them. You are the head of gold. Now I can just imagine Nebuchadnezzar going, "Mm mm-hmm, that's me. And after you there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, then another third kingdom of bronze which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a Fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron that breaks in pieces, it'll crush and break all these things in pieces. And in that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it'll be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, clay, silver, and gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future, so the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face. And paid homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering of fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. Since you've been able to reveal this mystery, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Now, we've taken the time to read two chapters out of the book of Daniel. We're going to go further. But I'm saying to you right now, that interpretation shows him that you're the king, and after you is going to come another nation, inferior to you, but it's going to defeat you. Then there's going to come another one that's going to defeat them. Then it's going to be split up into ten. Do you know how far, do you know how far this interpretation goes? We're not even there yet. Because there's the Roman Empire is the one that is iron, and the iron and the clay is the revived or revised Roman Empire made up of ten nations found in the book of Revelation that will come during the time of Antichrist. And the stone out of the side of the mountain is when Jesus comes, destroys the kingdom of the enemy, and sets his kingdom up. That's yet to happen. That's going to be at the return of Jesus. 
So we're seeing something happening thousands of years ago that God gave a man that didn't even know him, didn't believe in him, and said, I'm going to kill anybody that doesn't tell me what this is all about. Even, I mean, he used him in a way. How many of you would want to use a man like that? But God did. Today, we see two things. Daniel did not compromise in food, and he did not compromise in faith. He did not allow fear of an unrealistic demand from his king, earthly king, to keep him from following his heavenly king. Man, that speaks loudly in 2022 to me. I'm going to close with this. I don't know who the author of this is, but it's simply titled The Fellowship of the Unashamed. And I love it. I've read it years ago. And if you've never read it, listen to this. It says, I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living sight-walking, small-planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, or popularity. I do not have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on His presence, love by His patience, lift by prayer, and I labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. Mediocrity. I will not, I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and spoken up for the cause of Christ. Man, I love that. He says, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until he returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he stops me. And when he comes to get his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. Now, we just barely got into Daniel, but it's time to close. Can you see Daniel right now, out of two things, is a man of no compromise? And that's the way God wants us in 2022. That's why we're here. 
We're here to make a difference, not to make a dollar. I don't want to be like Aaron. I don't want to please people. I want to please God. And in this day and hour, we're all tempted. to ease up. But I'm saying to you today what God wants is for us to double down. If I believe what Jesus said, if we believe what Jesus called us to do, then we have to believe that He empowered us to do it, and He knows every single obstacle that we're facing before we get there. That is why when we face the obstacle, we do not let the fear in our heart and we say, you will move in Jesus' name. Those are the rifle prayers we need to be praying. You see, sometimes we thank God for the shotgun prayers that, ca- that catch everything, but sometimes, church, you've got to have Daniel. You've got to have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You've got to have your friends praying. We need, we need God for you to give us the dream of this man. We need you to do something the world can't do. We need you to do something that man cannot do. We need you to do something no denomination can do. We need you to do something that no political party can do. We need you to move in America again. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the 1700s listening to the preachers in America stand up and thunder for God at the great first awakening, the first great awakening. They were as much a part of the foundation of the United States of America as our founding fathers were because they stood in the gap and they prayed and they fasted and they believed. And they fed the people the word of God to where they knew that freedom came from God and still does. You can live in America and still be a slave, a slave to sin, a slave to your lusts, a slave to, to the world and peer pressure. God wants to get us out of that. God wants to say, hey, I want you to walk into where you know that everything you do is ordained by me. I've made you above only and not beneath. I've made you the head and not the tail. Remind the devil of that. When you walk into the room, you scoot him out. When you walk into the room, you want them to be going, oh, my, he's up. He's up. She's up. Look out. And how do I know that can happen? Because when the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out a demon, the demon said to them, Jesus we know. Well, everybody knows the demons know Jesus. But they also said this. Paul we know, we know about Peter, we know about Paul, we don't know about you. Do you know what? Jesus is known in hell. So was Paul. So was Peter. It's good to be known in heaven, but you also want to be known in hell. You also want to be known around the devil's people about 
he may be a five foot six inch sawed off little preacher, but you better watch out when he gets on the floor. Put your dimensions in there. Doesn't matter. And your name. I could just keep going. Someday, someday I, I would love to just do an all day prayer. Just an all day preaching. We leave, we go, we grab a bite, and we come back and we preach some more. That's what they used to do. Have an afternoon meeting, go home, eat some supper, come back and have an evening meeting. Because sometimes I feel like i got so much to say and so little time to say it. But I'm done for now. Would you stand to your feet? I hope you got something out of this. We're just getting started. I don't make it, I don't make it a common occurrence where we read two chapters out of the Bible in a day but in a sermon. But how many of you know... We need more of that so we understand and, and not, just, not just catch the, 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 you know, I heard one person say, today it seems like we have Christianettes uh, being served sermonettes, and I don't want that. I want full-bodied Christians having a full meal. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we want to be people that do not compromise. We want to be people like Daniel who are men and uh, women of no compromise. Lord, I pray that you would impart to us the desire to work like, like you're around us every day. Lord, to work for you in whatever we do, whether we pray, whether we sing, whether we work on, on the job, whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do, we do to the glory of God. And, Father, I just pray right now you build up your church, you build up your people, you build up your, your children, Lord God. Let us see us for who we are. And, Lord, right now I bind every lie that the devil's telling people right now about who they're not. And, and Lord, I pray that people will begin to hear your word as to who they are. I pray that they will see yourself, Lord, and in that they will see you in your people. Lord Jesus, that we will exemplify you, that, we will, that when people see us, they will see Christ in us, the hope of glory, that they will be drawn to you just like that, that man was in Daniel's day, the man who was assigned to kill men was in that day, and the way King Nebuchadnezzar was. When they saw Daniel, when they had an encounter with the God of Daniel, they had an encounter with you, Lord. And Father, let that happen today, we pray. And let it be the result of us not compromising in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come back next Sunday. We're going to continue. I don't know what it's all going to be, but it's going to be good. Amen. Lord bless you.